Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me I've got Liam. In the words of that teacher at the beginning of the movie, there's some more flowers, kids. Go pick them. And Mitch. Um, Hello, I don't really have a flashy introduction, but I'm happy to be here. Wow, straight to the point. Professional man in charge, man on the man on the man on the walk, man on the run. I don't know where I'm going with this either necessarily. But Liam, I gotta say I really like this in the words of whoever bit that you've you've established here. I'm, I'm quite a fan of that. Oh man, I'm glad. This is my first time getting feedback on it in like a month, so I'm glad it's working out. It seems different because like I saw it, Liam earlier in the week and he just and he wasn't quoting anybody. He wasn't quoting any. He wasn't saying anything at all. At all, as a matter of fact, he was just, you know, he just seemed off. He was walking around, and I, I, I called out to him. I said, "Liam, Liam, are you all right?" And he didn't say anything. And mm. um, then he was like eating some dirt, and uh, then he spun around and he pointed at me with his index finger. He pointed, and he's. And he said, "Is that true, Liam?" Mitch's points are all well taken, and all that is true. But I should also point out that Mitch is the one that had the emotionless intro. Hmm. Hmm. Kind of out of character. Yeah. This is a lot to consider, especially for me. I don't. And I feel Corey. Like I, yeah. Corey, we're on video chat right now, and you've got all those cobweb-looking things on you. <laughs> well, I just I just got these beautiful flowers that I I found outside my house, and they're they're just right there on my shelf, and they they kind of that looks like there's like this fleshy thing on the the inside of the flower. They're great. I'm I've famously been, normal thing that flowers have. I've just been smelling them all afternoon. Yeah, if I seem a little bit off today, it's because I nearly drowned in a mud bath earlier. Mm, I hate when that happens. Yeah, trying to get out, and it's it's one of those in wacky fact, shenanigans where all the bars are too slippery. In fact, Corey's still in there. I see him right now on video chat. So after the podcast is over, I'm gonna have to go over and help him. Yeah, it's not cobwebs. That's just weird dried mud. Uh, <laughs> reminds me of the time I almost drowned in the Turkish bath. Do you have a book hey. to read in there at least? Uh, yeah, it's that one that uh, you know the one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I read from- that one. <laughs> Have you read yeah. have you read the other one by that guy? Oh, how could you not? Right after you read the first one, you gotta go read the other one. What do I look like? A, a fucking Luddite? I know. Yeah, you I know what the, a man who doesn't you know, read? you know what my kid brother said after I almost drowned in the Turkish bath? <laughs> What'd he say? He called it a Turkish delight. It's <laughs> a, a really good bit, actually. <laughs> not to sound surprised. I mean, <laughs> kid brother's got some snap wit to him. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then if you just got a rattle of those ice cubes, I'm just gonna loudly have a loudly have a sip of my drink. What Cut are you drinking? Up. Um, I'm having just like ice water with a bit of lemon. That's unusual. Very mm. exotic, yeah. What a Liam. What do you make of that? I feel like he's <laughs> usually got, you know, some concoctions. It's true. Yeah, he's. I think he's either on a health crash or uh he has been body snatched so let's try to figure it out over the course of the podcast my body may have been snatched but my mind is is totally sound so we can Mm. we can discuss the movie okay this particular film that we'll be discussing which is uh invasion of the body snatchers from 1978 i think this is a great example of when our show 
does not cover an often forgotten installment in the franchise and in fact probably covers the most well-known one of all of them so you know excuse the slight uh uh misnomer at the beginning of this but yes it's time to find out if an invasive species really did snatch those bodies and um you know first things first i'll just i'll be out with it i had minimal awareness of this movie um in a similar way to that like i had heard the title i knew there was a 50s one i was maybe vaguely aware that there was a 70s one um but as a helpful touchstone obviously this is an iconic donald sutherland joint and uh, i always assumed that 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 uh iconic photo of him from the movie where he's pointing and yelling uh was from don't look now a different 70s movie starring a curly haired donald sutherland which is a a brilliant movie like one of my Uh, favorite horrors of the 70s i've been wanting to see that one i've I've never seen oh yeah we've got to like yeah cory we've we've gotta maybe that's a movie night for all of us it's a horror movie set in like the the rotting like palazzos of venice in the 1970s like what so you could some could say it's a death in venice no, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> well, yeah, well, kind of, yeah, maybe. Who knows? Well, there's probably someone probably it. dies. I'm not going to spoil it. Did you guys know anything? Are you guys uh, more aware of this than me? This being Invasion of the Body Snatchers 1978 specifically? So it was on my radar because Criterion had released that collection last year around Halloween of you know 1970s horror. Ooh. And this was on it. And they were tweeting that picture of Donald Sutherland that we were talking about like all the time. Uh but i never i never i know right super scary um but i never got around to seeing this one i have seen the one from the 50s though um okay yeah what's that one like it's an interesting movie it's it's um it's directed by don siegel who um I guess directed Dirty Harry, The Ride of Cell Block, Riot in Cell Block 11, a bunch of sort of low budget movies in like the, the 50s and then he made a success. Um it's it's a different sort of lower budget rough around the edges. In fact, it's one of the most successful B movies of all time. It had a budget of like 400,000 in the in the 50s and it uh like grossed like three million or something so it was a quite a a very solid return for like a, a 50s b movie um but does it have the same energy as like the blob uh kind of yeah definitely definitely similar to like the blob or um war of the worlds like mm. just like sort of like those like classic 50s I, I i think of seconds too for some reason even though that's from the 60s but um yeah, similar similar kind of vibe, and very much like of the McCarthy period, and sort of talking about um, the the dangers of kind of informing on others. Some people think that it it like celebrates uh, informing the authorities of other people. Other people thought that it was like you know uh, sort of dishing on like the lack of freedom that you experience in a communist society. Don Siegel himself chimed in and was like. You know, like it definitely has that, and it was wary of like the politics of Senator McCarthy. But yeah. Oh, anyway. finally, is this the episode where we shit on McCarthy? Yeah. <laughs> the jury is kind of out, but uh, definitely uh, could be seen as like an anti-communist stance, and a lot of a lot of critics do see it that way. Uh, it was produced by Walter Wanger. Do you guys know him? 
Walter Wanger sounds like somebody trying to say Walter Ranger and fucking it up. No, Wal- so, no, Wal- I don't know this man. Oh, okay, he's he is an interesting cat. He like produced um, movies for like most of like the earlier part of like the the twentieth century. Like he made like The Sheik in nineteen twenty one, and he gave people like Maurice Chevalier and Claudette Colbert like their their start in movies. And he was a, a really big influ- influential producer. He had a few flops. His most noteworthy flop was at the end of his career with Cleopatra in 1963, where he just like was completely um, fucked by like how immense that movie <laughs> was. But he also had like a very famous scandal where he um, found out that his wife at the time, Joan Bennett, was having an affair with a agent who would become a producer later named Jennings Lang. And he walked up to him in a car park with a 45 and just like emptied it into Jennings Lang's testicles. Like he put it through like the side of the car door and like what? just like decimated the, the guy's fuck? balls. Um, Did he die after getting shot? No, repeatedly? actually, he Jennings Lang actually went on to like father some children after that miraculously. <laughs> uh, he was shot twice. Out of spite for being shot multiple times in the... <laughs> Well, sorry, that's I, kind of so, amazing. They they say that they shot him in the balls, but I think the actual police report like says like right thigh, rear hip, penetrated at his groin. So maybe, yeah, probably probably fucked up some, but apparently not 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 too much. Um, yeah, so that was like a massive scandal in in 1951 when that happened. And you must he, be a fan of Jennings Lang. He produced a movie called Swashbuckler. Yeah, and so I don't. I actually haven't seen it. I've been meaning to see that, but it was, that's with um, oh Christ, uh, what's his face, Robert Shaw. Uh, but I haven't seen that. Um, but yeah, so like that scandal, you would <laughs> think sh- that that would ruin shit, somebody. They were, they were making an airport movie like every other year in the city. Yeah, Jen- the Jennings titles. Lang. When when uh, when uh, <laughs> when Wagner's uh, sort of. Or Wanger, sorry. When Wanger's career uh, faded, Lang's kind of went up. Um, but and you would think that that Wanger would like get into some sort of trouble for this, but the police were just like, ah, it was a crime of passion. He was banging his wife. What do you? What would you do? Uh, so <laughs> that, we were just calling anything a crime of passion back then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he had to do it. He had to do it. You know. But uh, so that that pretty much <laughs> happened. So yeah. I'm, I went down like way into the reads with this, but I just thought that there were some interesting connections. Apparently, like Wanger like followed like lots of men that he thought were like sleeping with his wife too, notably Errol Flynn, and they talk about that in uh, in uh, David Niven's book because he was a roommate with him. It's a great autobiography called Dude, "Bring on the Empty Horses," which Walter which talks is about just like an outrageous wife guy. Yeah. Bring on the Empty Horses is the autobiography that talks about that episode. And it's called that because it sort of references that mass horse genocide that we talked about in the Zenda episode. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Wild book. Very good read. Anyway, Liam, what's your experience with this movie? This movie is about the same as Corey's, man. I I knew the picture of Donald Sutherland with his mouth open. But even then, I think I only learned that that was from this movie pretty recently and i don't um i still don't really associate the two because i I don't hear about this movie all that much like i i hear about the term body snatching a whole lot and i love i love that subgenre so it's actually uh kind of strange to me and a bit disheartening that i had never seen this movie because like i love 
The Thing. Uh, I like Shivers. You guys remember Shivers? We watched that. Yeah, how class could I fucking forget? Um, yeah. David Cronenberg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I love the Faculty. Coherence. Uh, the one I love is a really cool Mark Duplass body snatch movie. Um, I do love the Blob. It's not exactly body snatching, but kind of similar. So I mean, bodies so, are getting snatched. It's that's just... right. Yeah. Uh, killer clowns from outer space is another good one where bodies are getting snatched um but but also like i just when it comes down to it i really love that creepy idea of seeing someone and they look like the person you know but something is just a bit off and uh that like really whenever a horror movie incorporates that idea like jordan peele's us when that was being advertised i was so excited because that hinges on that sort of premise and and uh despite all that this movie just sort of like uh managed to like drift through my the little sieve that is my uh the my my horror knowledge and so i know that invasion of the body snatchers is a is a, an actual movie and i know that it's been remade but um I, I i don't even think i could have told you like the year the original one was and and uh the quick year what year did the original come out 58 no but you were pretty close ah. um so I'm, I was very excited to to watch this movie for for all those reasons, and and I don't watch enough '70s horror either. I really like '70s horror, what I've seen, um, and so uh, I was I was excited for this one, but pretty blank blank slate for me, fellas. Yeah, there's there's a uh, definitely a lot to love like within that genre, and this this movie um, definitely like checks a bunch of the boxes. Like I love a lot of the same movies you were talking about, and uh, this movie definitely kind of scratched that itch. I love 70s horror too. Yeah, I don't think I'm super familiar. My voice just cracked quite profoundly. Um, I don't think I'm super familiar with a lot of 70s horror either. There's definitely a couple like big big hitters that I have seen, but um, not super wide ranging or anything like that. Sorry, I just got briefly distracted by the poster for Body Snatchers from 1993. Uh, which is pretty fucking sick, actually. Just felt like everybody should know that. I guess look that oh, up if I, you think that sounds cool. I, I am, I am looking it up. That's a movie that I've, I've been wanting to watch for a good while too. Nineties horror, just like seventies horror. It doesn't. Uh, I don't dig in as, as often as I should. Is this the one where like the head is splitting and you see yeah. the person behind it? Yeah, that yeah, is amazing. Cool. Wow. So if I mean this one has a good fucking poster too, actually. Um. Yeah, I think I think it's a hard poster to mess up with a title like that. Um, yeah, honestly, fair. It's and then just I like so how, evocative. Yeah, the theatrical release poster for the '78 film. The the tagline at the top left just says "From Deep Space: Invasion of the Body Snatchers," which is pretty sick. Um, and then it says, "The seed is planted." terror grows which is also pretty sick that's that's good yeah i, I think i prefer that one, one. yeah <laughs> from well, deep space there. is like is a bit more like it's all no, it's this cool is all in the, the same poster no no yeah i believe you but like i'm, I'm picking one over <laughs> the other because from deep space is like so bland that like it's kind of cool but uh a seed pl is planted and horror grows is that is very spicy yeah it's pretty sick um so Without further ado, 
Let's get into the cast and crew so then we can talk about the movie. I didn't have a rhyming word for that. Sorry, this is not a rhyming podcast. If you want to listen to that, there probably is one. Figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> Let's get we're all just, we're all just <laughs> sipping into the mics today. <laughs> um so <coughs> oh boy, I'm, I'm paying for it. Jeez Louise. Um so this was directed by Philip Kaufman, uh, who did the right stuff. And he wrote The Wanderers and The Outlaw Josie Wales. And he has the story credit for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Dude does not fuck around. The unbearable lightness of being. Yep. That too. That's not on my list, but that too. You guys ever um, seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yes. Like yeah. a hundred times. Man, not Indiana, times. Indiana Jones, another one of those things that just slipped by me. I nah, haven't man, seen be- a single one oh. of them. I'm being him them for Halloween, like it. Yeah, you're being him for Halloween this yeah, year. Yeah, no content. <laughs> um, I still think your tin tin was next level, but it was know. it was good. Yeah. Um, I to your point though, I've only ever seen Indiana Jones movies like by accident, oh. like they're on TV or something, and it's like right, twenty minutes yeah. in. Like I I've never sat down and been like, I'm gonna watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, yeah. Which is why I'm not going as Indiana Jones for Halloween. Yeah, well, I, this isn't going to be the first time I've done Indiana Jones. I think, think this is my second Indiana Jones. Then you got to go as his dad or something, or mix it up. Then no, that's too obscure. Get, when, Indiana when did... Jones's dad is not obscure. Yeah, but if there's nobody who's like Sean Connery. But if nobody is Indiana Jones with me, and I just go to a... Indiana Jones. If then. I just go to a party like with an umbrella and like a tweed jacket, like what's gonna happen? You'll just be yourself. Hi, uh, Junior. <laughs> yeah, people will know. Uh, I don't know. You can go as Marion. When did you decide sure. that that was your costume this year, Mitch? How early do you plan your? Well, I, I got this hat in in Montreal that's like gorgeous, <laughs> oh, yeah. and I've I have like it, a yeah. well, I have see, a leather I jacket, this big hat, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I'll just like roll up like an electrical cord and make it look like a bullwhip. It'll be great. That's a great idea. Yeah. I'm surprised you don't it. own a bullwhip. I'll drive yeah. over to your house on <laughs> Halloween day just to watch, just to see it. Liam, yeah. do you have a Halloween costume? No, man, I've I've never been uh, much of a dress up guy. I guess because I wasn't like a I wasn't hitting up parties as a kid on Halloween, so I don't really have many Halloween costumes in in the in the bank. I did Gene Simmons a lot as a kid, just because like <laughs> that's you my know. favorite. That's one of my favorite stories about you. <laughs> oh yeah, is that you would just dress up as Gene Simmons like every year. <laughs> I just I just liked the makeup. I don't know why I didn't switch it up cuz true like between Man, Kiss members. Yeah, cuz I truly Man. I had no allegiance to Gene Simmons. I just liked Kiss and the way they looked, but yeah. I guess my parents like did Gene Simmons once and they were like, "All right, we're not going to figure out how to make you into into the uh Ace Freely or whatever the fuck." <laughs> I was going to go for for the deeper cut like when Tommy <laughs> Thayer joined the band or whatever Who's they had that? to give him. They had to give him uh, a d- different makeup, I think. Oh, no, he was the spaceman. So- sorry, Kiss Is that fans. just the one with the star in his face? Yeah, he took on Ace Frehley's thing. But there was a dude that joined who uh, who they made into... Um, Scene Gimmons. The Something King? What do they call that Hold thing? on, I need to... He give had me- like a little symbol on him. It was a unique one. Kiss Band the King. I'm just going to do that. Oh, the word is escaping me. King of the Nighttime World is a song that they did, apparently. Who is the richest KISS member? That's not what I'm trying to figure out. Oh, I've got it. I'm sorry. It's not King. It's the Warrior. He he became the Ankh Warrior, Vinnie Vincent. The Ankh Warrior? 
A N K H. Oh, Ankh. Ankh Warrior. Yeah, the Ankh Warrior. I mean, that doesn't narrow down what it looks like, but we've at least got that sorted. Yeah. The Ankh Warrior? What did he look like? That, oh my God. That makeup's not a great look. <laughs> yeah, he. It, it looks like he was only in the band for a year. And he looks disinterested too. Yeah, I think uh, Paul Stanley just like created it right really quickly because like this dude was in the band now, and uh, it's weird that only one of them has gold on his face. Yeah. Anyway, I guess we don't need to talk about Kiss forever. Yeah, but so I guess I guess this year <laughs> I could go as the Ankh Warrior because you know I you never could. never got to do it as a kid. You, yeah. Um. Uh. But I do. I I like wearing face paint, so I think I would like to do a face paint one if anything like last year i recorded a cover of the pe- this ramon song pet cemetery and brianna dressed me up with some some skelly face paint so i'll probably figure something out like that yeah to do another options. video yeah, yeah i think that'd be good i support this but we shall save more of the halloween talk for later because we're getting it's, close it's, everybody it's the it's the tis the reason tis tis almost the season yeah, and it's the season as far as I'm concerned. I'm, yeah, like September so. starts, and I'm like, "Cool, it's Halloween for two months." Yeah, fair enough. And then, and then it's post Halloween for half a month, where I gotta finish out the list that I started and didn't <laughs> get. I to, gotta so. come down. Yeah, it is. It's the most brilliant time of the year. I love it. That's what they call it. The, the most brilliant time of the year. <laughs> yeah, they have all those Halloween carols that you can sing. <laughs> um. Like in that movie, the scary version of Christmas, where it's just Christmas but scary. I think never heard of it. Um, never heard of it. Um, the movie is written by <laughs> W. D. Richter, uh, who wrote Big Trouble in Little China, which is a great movie that I like a lot. Um, Wait, so you're telling me W. D. Richter did Big Trouble in Little China and the scariest movie before Christmas? Is that what you yes. said the title was? My gosh. What well, a that's range. Not a, that's not a real thing, but if it was... You could write it, Corey. <laughs> yeah. It is as much I'm gonna as get you said that, it. I'm going to do a W.D. Richter Halloween costume and then write that movie as him. <laughs> Your pen name can be D.W. Richter. <laughs> this sign doesn't mean anything to me because I can't read. I only write movies. <laughs> that would be a horrible costume. Also, the, the idea of writing movies and not being able to read is very much like always sunny energy. Wow, thanks. I, th- I think something's off with Mitch. He doesn't think my jokes are funny. <laughs> Normally, he's keeling over on these <laughs> Dying. Episodes. I'm hilarious. His knees. I think we should keep that in mind. That's all I'm saying. Gotta keep an ear on that guy. <laughs> um, the movie's based on a book by Jack Finney. And it's also obviously a remake of the 1956 movie by virtue of that movie existing and having the same source material um the movie was shot by michael chapman who who shot the movie kindergarten cop so now seems like as good a time as any to ask you a quick question so last week we were all horrible cowards and um we speak for yourself it was self-preservation we did not watch kindergarten cop 2 but liam uh, decided that he would fall on that sword for us all, and he watched Kindergarten Cop too. So, in Michael Chapman's honor, we don't need to talk what? about Taxi Driver or Raging Bull or The Fugitive or Bridge to Terabithia, which oh, he also shot. Eventually, we, need to talk we about have Kindergarten to talk about Cop. That. Okay. So, tell us briefly wow. about Kindergarten Cop too, please. Did you plan this, Corey? 
No, I could never wow. have in my wildest dreams. We have been, we're just being simulated week after week on this show. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Kindergarten Cop 2. So I, I watched it. Um, I'll give a, I'll just do a little solo mini episode here, uh, starring me, Liam. So, uh, starring hey, me, the Ankh Warrior. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to They Made Another One, where we talk about Kindergarten Cop 2. I'm your host, Liam. Uh, in the words of Dolph Lundgren, uh, what? I can't say that anymore? He says that in the movie. I won't say. Oh, no. I, he I say won't say. Racist shit? He, not racist, but oh, it is a word that has has uh, gone out of, has been phased out of the, the public. Uh, I, I'm worried I feel like I know what it was now that you've described <laughs> it that particular way um okay so can i'll i'll do i'll talk about kindergarten cop one first like we do these like we do these shows so <laughs> kindergarten cop one was a show that was like was a movie that was it was on tv a lot when i was a kid so i would just uh i would watch it and i was far more interested in the first half than the second half in the second half of the movie it gets like a bit arnold schwarzenegger actiony and like he's climbing up a tower and saving a, all to save a kid's life and stuff but I, I was i far more enjoyed the first half of the movie where it's just like arnold schwarzenegger in a in a kindergarten class and having like awkward interactions with the kids it's sort of like a reverse billy madison thing and i thought that was funny there's there's a lot of memes and and quotes from those scenes that have uh carried on through the public consciousness and people don't really talk and joke about this the the second half of the movie and i think that uh that might speak to that movie's strengths and and so i watched uh rewatched kindergarten cop actually probably four years ago or so just like a late night on my laptop i decided to watch kindergarten cop because before then it had been about 10 years or so and and i felt basically the same way i thought okay i i remember these specific parts of the movie because like those are good parts but the rest is is sort of forgettable so i'd I'd give kindergarten cop one like a five six out of ten something like that and uh kindergarten cop two i remember when it was announced four years ago um and they put out a poster and it had dolph lundgren lundgren from uh rocky four in it and yeah uh, i think i think the internet rising his role my gosh yeah <laughs> um oh and my I think gosh the internet went my gosh <laughs> there's this great scene in kindergarten cop 2 oh sorry where, for uh, anybody who doesn't know i know this is uh i'm cory i'm the co-host on this mini episode of they made another oh hey cory i didn't think you were here this time how's it going i've completely um, checked out <laughs> oh mitch you're here too my gosh all right, don't worry, boys. I'll, I'll keep carrying this through. Uh, so there's this great scene in Kindergarten Cop 2 where Dolph Lundgren, he's in the, the the kindergarten class, and this kid challenges him to a play fight, you know, and Dolph Lundgren throws a playful swing, but of course he's Dolph Lundgren, and his muscles are so big, and he hits the kid. Kid drops to the ground. The kid is, like, seizing. I mean, he's he got hit really hard, and Dolph Lundgren says if he dies he dies that was a good part of the movie but anyway um wait did he actually did they actually do that no none of that happened uh <laughs> i was just he, reprising his character from Rocky you sold you thought. sold it do you guys Thanks. know that dolph lundgren has a has a phd in chemical engineering yeah he's a smart man kind of crazy yeah yeah you know, arnold yeah. schwarzenegger was governor of california yeah a couple of smart guys in these these 80s action movies sylvester stallone what have you done 
Hold on, let me Google them. Keep talking. All right, you go ahead. So when when the poster and the trailer came out for Kindergarten Cop 2 four years ago, I remember the internet going really wild for like a day, just like so upset. Why are they sequelizing this movie from 20 years ago? And why is Dolph Lundgren in it? And why is it not coming out in theaters and they're just churning it out? And um, after doing this show for so long, I uh, if I did feel that way, I don't feel that way anymore. I think at this point, like direct-to-video sequels uh, are just sort of like they're a, they're a money-making machine but there's also potential for one of those movies to just kind of strike a nice balance and entertain people for an hour and a half i don't think kindergarten cop 2 hurts the original's legacy in any way especially because it's a totally disconnected story so it's kind of just like okay we accept now that the kindergarten cop franchise is an anthology series you know it's it's the it's the uh, halloween 3 of the series where we're not going to deal with the same main character but uh it's going to it's there's going to be a kindergarten cop in it so it's going to live up to the title the same way halloween 3 did and so um I was just kind of interested to see how they were going to make Dolph Lundgren a kindergarten cop. And um, after watching it, I don't really remember how they did it. I mean, like, it's pretty ham-fisted. <laughs> you know, he's he's like a cop, and then he just has to go to this kindergarten class to figure out what the... Uh, previous kindergarten teacher was up to because uh, he, he was yeah, involved crimes. in some shady stuff. Yeah, so... Um, it's not a, not a super plot heavy movie, um, but I gotta tell you, there there's some good gags in it. I thought Dolph Lundgren was really likable. The only other things I've seen him in, I love him in Rocky Four. I'm a big fan of the Rocky series, um, and so I love him in Creed Two as well. It was nice to see him in that a couple years ago, um, but I've never actually seen him uh, not be that character from the rocky series i've never even seen the expendable movies where i assume he's more of a big macho action man guy but in this one um you know he is that because he's muscular and he looks great and he throws a few punches but also just seeing him interact with the kids i found it was the same satisfaction i got from seeing arnold do it and i i thought uh dolph had really good comedic timing i think his presence is just funny compared to all these kids and and there's some good bits in the movie like where he is uh eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich not knowing that the class is a is a peanut free zone and the kids freak out and um, he gets canceled for that <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> and there's actually there's a few interesting instances where this movie is like uh dolph lundgren's character is is kind of like old and crotchety and he's not caught up with the times and and he would get canceled i mean that's the the word that he says in the movie uh, that i referred to at the beginning of this mini episode so there's some strange stuff in there and i realized after watching this movie that it's actually pg-13 so I, I don't know exactly who the target audience for this movie is but i honestly i guess it's me because i thought some of these jokes were were pretty good i thought the movie was uh, mostly a fun time. Like, there's some stuff in there that makes me raise my eyebrows. Like, all of his love interests in the movies are in the movie is half his age, and I just don't don't think they needed to do that. I mean, there are plenty of really attractive, likable women that are old over the age of thirty that that could have been in there with him, especially at a school. I mean, like, 
teachers tend to work at schools for a long time. So you're going to have some some honeys at the school who uh, are closer <laughs> to his age. But instead, it's like we're, we're he's in, invested in the woman who is like this is like her first year teaching out of university or something. And so that's sort of strange. But um, all in all, I actually I did think that it was uh that it was a, a funny movie, some good lines. It has a whole lot of like family action movie tropes, like the villain uh, uh, approaching the the protagonist team as they figure everything out, and the villain is slow clapping. But like stuff like that is just charming to me. It, it was nice to watch on the in the morning on my day off, and uh, I would I think that it's it's right up there with the first one. Um, and like I think they're just both equally likable quotable movies with a fun lead and uh good premises so yeah it's like a five or six out of ten nice so this isn't the invasion of the body snatches it's the invasion of kindergarten cop one and two (laughs) and they completely like snatched the podcast well hold on we knew we had to do that so i'm gonna really quick editor douglas stewart write stuff Music by Denny Zietlin. This is basically the only thing he ever composed, but he has music credits on nine episodes of Sesame Street over the course of like 20 years. I don't know why. Um, The movie stars Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, Leonard Nimoy, Jeff Um, Goldblum, Veronica Cartwright, Art Hindle. What? I thought thought you were breaking down the cast of Kindergarten Cop 2 real quick to flesh out my mini episode. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm afraid that has ended. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Well, go follow me on Graham the Mallow. Okay. See, I thought I was doing that joke, but then Mitch cut in first. It was was too late. Uh, Art Hindle, uh, Layla Goldoni, uh, Kevin McCarthy, which is, I guess, kind of funny with the whole McCarthy angle. Um, Don Siegel, who was the director of the first movie. Tom Luddy, Jerry Walter, Robert Duvall. <laughs> Robert Duvall. Which yeah, is he, weird. he has like a five minute, a five second cameo, second cameo as, as the as, priest as on the swing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I almost Philip, shat when I saw him. Philip Kaufman, Rose Kaufman, and John Bellin. Yeah. This movie is about a weird, gooey alien race from space that sort of looks like bubbles and also like cobwebs and cotton candy and flowers. And they come to Earth and people start picking them and it creates a big pod that creates a clone of you that um takes place in your life and they take your original version of you away and like i don't know eat you or something and it is established that they're doing this out of survival but also it would create a more idealized version of humanity that does not have love nor hate nor attachment to anything or emotion at all and that is slowly taking over the world in a small group of people who work at the San Francisco Department of Health and a uh like a spa um are in on it and they got to try to uh stop it and also there's a psychiatrist who may or may not be in on it i wanted to rush through that so we could get to the movie mitch you've been waiting very patiently you're up first what'd you think of the invasion of the body snatchers i'm not gonna like go into that like right now i think what i'm gonna talk about is uh, i mean i asked you a pretty direct question but okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about (laughs) it but i'm gonna i'm gonna be like I'm going to say like one of the things that I really love because we just talked about the cast is like the cameos in the movie. Like there's there's a lot of cameos. Yeah, several of those things I just like this the second half of that list yeah, was cameos. Yeah. Was all cameos. Like like Don Siegel the director from the original cameo. Yeah. He plays like the cab driver and then the yeah. guy who uh who gets like hit by the car um is Kevin McCarthy like the star from the original when like a disproportionate of number of onlookers like go and help and it's super sus 
Yeah. Um, I really Sus- love what this- sus because you don't think people help others when they get hit by cars. Not that many people. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. I have, and it's, it's yeah, not that many people go. Anyway, um, yeah, super, uh, super uh, sus. But I love this movie. There's so much to love. Um, and I like didn't really know what to expect. Like uh, having done little reading about this one and having seen the original like years ago i was like is it going to be good is it but it was um i don't want to say it subverted my expectations because i didn't really have any so with some of the things that we do on this show i'm like low expectations but there were pretty, i mean this movie is widely considered a classic yeah, i think you widely regarded right as like a 70s sort of classic i didn't have too many expectations but it it was great it definitely like I, I think it's a really good movie. I would recommend it. Am I going to seek it out and like watch it again immediately? No, but I could see myself like revisiting this film in 10 years time and enjoying what it has on offer. Nice. I got to be honest. I kind of, I, I, I was anticipating a slightly different response from you, Mitch. Really? Yeah. I think we're going to be like a head over heels for this one. I really liked it. Like I, I enjoyed it a lot, but it's not, uh, I don't like adore it or anything it's it's i think it's a great movie but it's not uh <laughs> you it's know not, it's not scare a mooch no it's it, or it's not like don't look now or like you know like a, a that's a movie of... that's tough to watch because it tells you to not you can't view it yeah so i don't ca- know how people keep talking about this well i'm kind of defiant so i, I do look right but yeah that's how we know mitch is the real mitch because we know he's defiant yeah the defiant cat mystery solved um <laughs> liam Yeah. <laughs> uh what did you think about invasion of the body snatchers what do you think i thought about it Corey? it sounds like you've you've kind of got this whole thing planned out um yeah but when you putting it that way makes me think that my suspicions i i i i think you i think you liked it i don't want to say anything more severe than that in case i'm wrong now Okay, well, let's pretend I didn't ask you. We can't. We can't go back. That's like time moves forward always. Don't listen let's, now. Let's pretend I didn't ask you. <laughs> what do you think I thought about this? But We're pretend I be... didn't say that. I think I think Liam fucking loved it. I think yeah, I think you loved it. Yeah, man, I I loved it for <laughs> show. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like based on what I'm hearing Mitch say, I like I bet I think I probably loved it about as much as Mitch. Like I I'd agree that it's not one that I wanted to watch right away again. Um the way that I would something like The Blob from the 80s, but I think that's just because they're like they're different movies. Like this movie isn't packed full of camp and like um ridiculous set pieces. It's it's much more Restrained. surprisingly grounded sort of water yeah and also gr- well yeah. like because it was coming out when like uh movies like fucking uh parallax view and like the conversation and shit were coming out yeah so it's definitely got that vibe to it totally yeah like it's a it's a political movie like it's it's got a lot of social commentary in there very grounded like mitch said and so just because of those things um like nowadays, the movies that I say, oh man, I, I love that. I know I just like, I, I want to watch that again really soon. That's going to be on constant rotation. Um, this this wouldn't be 
one of those and um that's that's no slight against it a lot of movies aren't and a lot of movies that like i i love so much and would rate so highly they're they're still not those type of movies and and you know some of them are like mean creek you know it's been a while since i mentioned that doesn't have uh, all those like fun goopy ridiculous elements to it and and that's something where it's like oh man that, that just that hits me emotionally like exactly where it needs to and so i just feel like i need to like watch it again to think about it and reckon with it and and this movie doesn't hit me like that but you know so so few movies can do that and and all in all this movie is such such a fun watch i loved the acting and because i'm not a big uh older movie guy and by older like i I honestly just mean like stuff like pre-80s a lot of these actors like aren't that familiar to me i know donald sutherland because we did buffy the vampire slayer and i know jeff goldblum his most famous role yeah um and i know jeff goldblum because he's he's continued on and so i've seen him in stuff like uh jurassic park and and the fly uh i like the fly um but other than that, like I, I really thought I recognized Elizabeth, the actress, but I, I gave her Wikipedia page a quick look and I didn't see anything there, so maybe I didn't. Um, oh, but she's I just, great. Brooke, Brooke I loved Adams her. Is, is uh, she's wonderful. She's in so many Days of Heaven and Dead Zone. Is Dead Zone's Cronenberg adaptation? Of oh King. yeah, I'm dying With Christopher to watch Walken. That. You yeah. gotta see it. That's up your yeah, street. Yeah, if it's man. if it's King, like yeah, er- it's, early eighties, yeah. Yeah, is she it. is she like a lead in that movie? Yeah, yeah, oh. she is. Yeah, and you've also I've, got, I've got, you've got uh, I think uh, Martin Martin Sheen is in it too. Yeah, as, he's he's the uh, bad guy. I think. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah, he's the titular dead zone. <laughs> um, yeah. So right from the very beginning, like I I thought the acting paired with the dialogue, um, like felt so real, felt so. Uh, like it was it was keeping me on its t- on my toes but like not in a everything is constantly witty way but just in a way that like it actually felt like real people having real conversations like there's there's a scene here where Donald Sutherland's character Matthew is trying to explain to a police officer that he saw uh, a pod person body you know developing in a garden and of course it's a ridiculous thing to say um and so he's just kind of trying to convince him of it and like the the officer isn't like doing your standard uh like caricature of like hey i don't i don't believe you sort of thing um but he also doesn't really believe him because why would you and so there's like they're kind of talking over each other and it's just like that sort of stuff is all throughout the movie it just felt very very genuine very true to life um so i love spending time with these characters and uh it's just such a great premise i mean I read that title, and so I know what I'm in for, and the movie knows that you know what you're in for. So there's a lot of really cool dramatic irony in this movie, similar to the stuff I loved about 2020's Invisible Man, where it's like Mm -hmm. uh, the filmmakers know that the audience knows what the premise is, what things are going to amount to, and so it plays with that. In both cases, the movie does have a title, and the audience knows what it is. um so i thought that was funny (laughs) (laughs) um like the first line in the movie is what i quoted at the beginning it's that teacher saying there's some more flower flowers kids go pick them but that comes after like five minutes of us watching this entity being formed in outer space and going into a flower we watch the flowers sprout and so we know 
we know where the body snatching is coming from right from the beginning like there's no there's no twist later on in the movie and so the first line here is like some dramatic irony where the teacher is telling kids to go interact with this thing that we know is going to be everyone's downfall and so there's just like a lot of really delicious stuff in this movie that Uh, sounds like a school that could have used a kindergarten cop but uh, but also like there's there's something to this movie where you, you say it's everyone's downfall but i mean like the near the end of the movie it kind of like i, I mean they know, win uh, <laughs> like, they, they they win right but then you sort of start seeing about how like this sort of entity is living like i don't even think it's necessarily portrayed as like good or bad it's almost just like a it's like the indifference of nature or like an organism uh. right that's so true. Um, I've I've been thinking a lot about that. Like that that surprised me about this yeah. movie. And but but Corey, you go ahead and we'll we'll talk. About I mean, that I, th- later. I think I think you could make the argument that it's portrayed as bad. I think it's making an argument for itself as to why it's doing what it's doing. But I mean, it's also you know forced and non consensual and being thrust upon it the is, world. It is forced and bad and un- non consensual. But I mean, but at the same time. They're living pretty sustainably. They're just like growing plants. I mean, uh, it's true. I, Death I, I, is forced <laughs> and non-consensual. I bet you those oil companies are going belly up, and they're going to stop the climate crisis. And uh, no, they, they're sending buses everywhere on the fucking hour. They're doing all kinds of driving around. What are you talking well, about? Well, that's just because they got a they got a spread. They got a they got a yeah. Multiply, right? This, the this is just big. this is just the beginning steps. Corey, after I'm, that, I'm a bigger picture man. Yeah, after that, they're all going to chill. Yeah. Well, after we do all the climate changing, we'll stop the climate change. Yeah, that's that's the strategy we've been doing in real life. How do you think that's going? A couple of buses, <laughs> a couple of buses to spread a. It was the seventies. Those things got like you put like half a liter in there. They could go. <laughs> you drive feet. around the block in the ozone layers, <laughs> toast. Fuck. Yeah. Um, I think for me, um, I liked this movie quite a bit. Um, I wasn't especially surprised by that, given its reputation. Um, I think just in terms of raw premise, this is maybe the most terrifying thing that could possibly happen to anybody. It is um, terrifying. My it man. is an absolutely horrible, terrifying, awful thought. And beyond that, um, the the way this movie handles like the terror of dealing with bureaucracy as well, and also the idea that everybody is in on something that you don't understand and you're just being rejected and ignored yeah. and uh diluted and, and they can communicate being, with like, a glance yeah and like Horrifying. all those calls it's like i didn't give you my name how do you know who i am or why i'm calling and they're just like yeah it's fine don't worry about it go do this and then just the the way in which the world utterly rejects the the presence and agency of the main characters is de- is a deeply 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 upsetting idea um and it's a fucking scary idea. And obviously, uh, between that, like, you know, bureaucratic, almost like shadow government esque network, and just the idea of like the in group and the out group and one sort of assimilating the other, you can latch that onto like one of 800 metaphors you would like to make ideologically. Definitely. And they all kind of track. Um, this is post Watergate. Yeah. Uh, so I imagine that's, you know, something that you you can be thinking about but this is also i was reading on the wikipedia i hadn't realized this this movie came out like right after um the jonestown mass suicide happened interesting wow not wait no no. i got that slightly wrong 
um, I think. No, really? I didn't. I got that right. No, nope, I was right. Okay. So, so um, w- would the timing line up so that the movie was made after that happened or just came out after? Um, I'll just read this. On the film's 40th anniversary, Kaufman believes the film may have seemed timely when it came out since the Jonestown mass suicide had occurred a month earlier and still dominated the news. Quote, that was a case of a lot of people from San Francisco were looking for a better world and suddenly found themselves in poddom and it was fatal. It could not have been a more pointed reason for watching the movie. End quote. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, just kind of like a it just worked ter- out terrible coincidence. Yeah. 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 Um, is, and I think, I think, yeah, I think because you can look at it through the the lens of like the nobility of thinking you're making something better, but ignoring what somebody else's wants and needs are. And so that like that the brutality of deciding that, you know, better than somebody else uh, combined with uh, the system, ignoring the other person is a really upsetting thought. Um, you could also probably more broadly just look at it as like a in like a blacklisting kind of framework if you wanted to um i'm certainly the original works in that way yeah and i think so inevitably you kind of think about that um but yeah i i really like how much you can think about the movie in those terms and just the concept really does get to me i do think um i think the soundtrack is a standout oh for uh, sure the music like the, in this the, where, they're, where they're running and the way that it's shot like when they're running at night with the blue lighting down that it's criminal that this man denny zeitlin zeitlin that's the only movie he ever composed for. Really? Wow. And he did such a good job. I know. It's fucking criminal. Yeah. Like, that. that's how that broke. I mean, I'm sure he seems fine with it. I, I know he had a, a career. Also, um, worth keeping in mind here, just to, set, just to make clear spoilers for a fucking 50-year-old movie, um, the ending is grim in a way that I wasn't necessarily oh, ab- expecting. Absolutely. He's informed on by like his friends and then he informs on his friends. It's well, he's narked it, but, and also like yeah, it's you lose. Yeah. It, like, it's a know? very nihilistic seventies ending, right? That's, yeah. But like, and I love yeah. that. I feel like so, so much, especially now, like in 2021, as we record this so much media is just like, people are making this argument. Where it's like, Oh, we need more, shit where like good people have good intentions but that's like everything now <laughs> and yeah. like we don't have any just like grimy fucked up shit we, we don't have the cynicism in our in our movies anymore we're completely give me my cynicism back <laughs> yeah i well i think it makes for a more interesting movie when you don't give everybody what they want right it's yeah it's, it's uh i miss that and uh i love is, the ending of this movie i love it too it's it's so good one of the other sort of feelings I the, something you touched on earlier was kind of like, you know, everyone being in on something, but you're not in on it. Um, and like, like a I good got this, surprise birthday party. Yeah, yeah. I got this really eerie feeling. Or a while bad funeral. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I got this eerie feeling while watching this movie that like, perhaps like this cohort of people is like the last sort of vestige of humanity or certainly like the last like vestige of it in San Francisco. And like, just like the fact that there's like that kind of like ambiguity about like what's going to happen. And the movie leaves off with that kind of ambiguity um, in terms of like other places. It's uh makes for like a very um, like, not very like gratifying ending, but like a satisfying one. Yeah. Uh, it feels complete, but it, yeah, I, I, I was anticipating a twist, but I expected it to swing slightly differently 
in uh him being caught out by somebody calling his name and then she was like the pod person yeah. but i like that i like this quite a bit more and i was waiting the entire movie to see that face that has been reposted so many times right mm-hmm. like donald sutherland with his mouth wide open and and uh that sound is horrible that they make. pointing maybe um and and so I was waiting for that, and I assumed throughout all these years that he was making that face because like he saw something scary and was like he yelling. Now. And so I guess he did. He saw a regular person. Yeah, and so so I was also anticipating uh, a twist like that um, because like not not specifically like what they did, but like what you said, Corey, because. Um, like this movie is kind of like feels like it's drawing from the twilight zone like both in terms of its premise and the way it it sparsely uses music sometimes um uh and it you know has that small cast of characters that are encountering something bigger than themselves and constantly being pushed down and um and of course being remade from like an, an older book and and the movie from the 50s as well like it it has that sort of sci-fi uh contained uh vibe to it and so i was thinking okay this is this is likely going to have some sort of twist ending to it it's probably going to be dark um the movie had been very political before that point like very 1984-esque and so i was expecting that sort of ending but the way it happened i didn't realize it was happening until it did even when he opened his mouth uh it wasn't until the shriek came out and it like takes a second uh, so you see him forming this like totally distraught like the thx terrible face yeah and then so i'm thinking okay he's yelling because i guess he notices that she is a pod person somehow he can tell but then the shriek comes out and i was like oh my gosh and the fact that this image that i've had in my head for so long was like immediately recontextualized was doubly scary to me and so i thought the ending was was totally brilliant as well and i think it it really says a lot that this movie is you know coming up on 50 years old and uh it still managed to surprise me in that way even though i felt like i had it figured out um yeah great ending yeah here's yeah. a fun bellwether for movies that i think maybe we should incorporate this a little bit more um Cisco liked it ebert did not hmm. which i just find interesting they were all over the place i know oh, like yeah that's so i true. bet you ebert, uh, roger bet you... ebert described pauline's kale uh loving the movie as inexplicable it is inexplicable <laughs> that pauline kale liked the movie she she called it like probably one of the best movies of its kind ever made yeah um yeah pauline kale baffles me but i love to read her writing uh <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I think my my one of my other favorite parts of this movie, the underrated part, was when there's like that dog man with the like the man oh. half oh, the man banjo half guy. dog. Yeah. Oh no! Oh, oh yeah, and he turns into the that was a fucked up weird visual. That guy is is Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead. The, I don't, know if I don't you knew the, that. the the he played the banjo, but the physical man is not Jerry it's Garcia. Not? Okay, he no. played the banjo. What do I? But know? the banjo parts were played by uh, Grateful Dead man. Because it doesn't look like him, but nah, it would have been a big, colorful bear if it was him. Yeah, that's my only Grateful Dead joke I could make. Right, one of my, yeah, one I... of my friend's dog's name is Jerry Garcia. <laughs> one of my, nice. one of the, uh, 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 
<laughs> Shit. Ice cream flavor. There we go. I'll just give up. <laughs> um, yeah, I, lo- I loved that that dog image too. This movie has a lot of really really cool effects in it. Um, but because the movie is sort of grounded, uh, the effects are staggered throughout, and that makes them you know even more effective. And that dog one really hit me hard. There's a there's a dog with a human face in it in Nightmare on Elm Street two. That effect is used, and and in the Nightmare on Elm Street fan community. Um, uh, I say that like it's an elite club or something, but like in, you gotta get in. Yeah, the the people you know, I've I've heard from people who who uh, have seen Nightmare on Elm Street too, and and some people have a big problem with that effect. Other people think it looks cool. I think it looks really cool. I think it's a great idea. And in this movie, um, I think they do it like it looks even even better. Like whatever sort of mask they did or. You know, the rigging to make the tongue come out was sick. And so um, actually the, that the one tongue coming out was just a was just a coincidence. What? Yeah. They just put a mask on a dog. Right. And the dog stuck its tongue through the, through wow. the mask. Yeah. It was a coincidence. So uh, the one cool. thing I don't like about that, about that, that sort of bit is how they they speed up the film. And they do that in multiple parts throughout the film. And I've always found that to look phony and not very good. I'm just not a fan of when movies do that. But yeah yeah it does look kind of goofy it does it looks like like a buster keaton gag or something um this is the one where uh buster keaton got into a teleporter with a dog yeah. and <laughs> turned into a dog boy man leonard uh leonard nimroy in this movie is fucking hold on take it again try again <laughs> nimroy <laughs> nimoy <laughs> nimoy <laughs> nimay Nunez? Leonard Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy. Can we cut that? No. <laughs> Fuck you. Um th- I can't believe I said Nimroy. I'm looking at Multiple his name times. right now. Don't be embarrassed, Mitch. Yeah, this is fucking <laughs> terrible. I'm honestly uh, like, kind of sweating in my chair right now. <laughs> um This is this is how we know it's the real Mitch. Yeah. That, that's a mistake I would make. Yeah, that dude's a fucking. His character is aggravating. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, now well, you're not going like, to elaborate anymore. No, now I really have nothing to say. Oh come on! <laughs> I'm going to be a bad sport. <laughs> come on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. Yeah. His his character really stuck out to me. I think that's where a lot of the the movie's social commentary comes in and i really loved what you were saying Corey, and your introductory thoughts about like how how scary the movie was on that level of no one's no one's uh taking the main character seriously and he's really at the heart of it because he's this uh psychiatrist character right he, and he writes these books yeah. that jeff goldblum uh <laughs> uh thinks are super duper lame uh and i love jeff goldblum's character as well like he's kind of a douche but like he uh, um he's, he's a douche because he, he's like an intellectual <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is just a such a fun character. Um, and so yeah, Leonard Nimoy's character, he's like he's this psychiatrist, and so he's supposed to have empathy and and uh, care about what people are saying and and analyze it and give them great advice. And like he's he's doing that. He's not again like that police officer. He's not like a caricature of of a corrupt. Um, a corrupt person at their job uh, but he you could like the the oh. actual person he is just like 
bleeds through. And so um, the scene at the, the the bookstore where there's this woman who is saying that her husband is not who, who uh, he used to be. He's like comforting her and like, ostensibly um, trying to be sweet but but well you, it just you go ahead, Corey. oh no i didn't i i thought you were gonna leave it there and i was gonna i love with you, but you were going where i thought you were going that was my mistake i jumped the gun um because i was gonna agree and say it's like like he wants to put out the image like he's trying to do that but i just don't think he's capable um and i don't think he actually cares that much about like uh it's when elizabeth is like you're not listening to what i'm actually saying to you <laughs> You're just presenting me with a solution to what you think the problem is. When he starts talking about like people not wanting responsibility anymore or marriages or commitment or whatever, and she's just like, no, you're not listening to me. And um, obviously he's also complicit in it later, which uh, certainly recolors some of that earlier stuff. But yeah, he's presenting the the image of, uh, of that without committing. And I'm sorry if that's where you were going with that. I did not mean to. That's how you know it's really me because I interrupted somebody by accident. I love like the, like the like the cyclical nature of the story with how it kind of tells its its tale and you kind of like check up with like these recurring characters periodically like the like the the Asian couple at like the laundry or whatever when he when he at first he, at first he's like my wife like my wife is not who she says he is and she's like oh no she's just fine now he says it so really. I love Dude, it. The shot, because obviously we're, this is a movie about bodies. Um, the shot when he's at the laundromat or the dry cleaners, I don't know what they do there. Clean clothes. Um, and there's that, it's on like a mannequin or something. And there's like a big press and it inflates the empty clothes into like a body shape. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what a great visual for this movie to have. Yeah. Or the bit where like, um, like, one of the characters like jeff goldblum's eyes like he falls asleep and then the other guy's eyes open like that bit startled me even though i was expecting it that shot of donald sutherland hiding in that closet very uh, good from jeffrey is really good uh yeah like it's a beautifully shot movie i mean it's no elizabeth just fucking shaking her eyes like that's pretty weird with michael chapman at the helm it's no surprise i mean that guy's made some of my favorite movies bridge to terabithia right that was his last. But oh, did best. he pass away? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I recently watched the last detail, which is which is his first movie. Fucking incredible. I mean, never mind the run he had in between those two. Oh which yeah, yeah. But I'm you know, it's just like recency bias. Sure. Very interesting. I like the Bridge of Terabithia is a good note to go out on. That movie is on our list, fellas. It's somewhere in that three hundred. Why does it no? count? Because uh, the original adaptation was a uh, made-for-TV movie back in the mm. 80s. Um, but yeah, Mitch, I totally agree with you. That's such an astute point. These uh, recurring characters that we drop in on. And and even, mm. like, I realized right from the beginning that the main characters, like, just the way that we're introduced to them, and, like, I guess in these sort of, like, day, day-to-day day vignettes, like, we see what... Uh, elizabeth's home life is like with jeffrey and we see what matthew's job is like and we just kind of jump really uh, really quickly through these characters and that teacher who delivers that first line like we like it's pretty cool that just this teacher gets the first line of the movie and we just dwell on her for a bit and so 
I loved that right from the beginning, this movie feels like like one of those like small town movies that I love. Even though it takes place in San Francisco, like it centers you with the, these characters and uh, and you know that they're all going to cross paths and um, and it just feels very intimate and and realistic um and so i i loved that the movie's approach to characters in that way i'm gonna remember a lot of them definitely i there's there's so many just like little memorable bits with characters that <laughs> that come in and out and i a couple of weeks ago when we did lady snowblood i i expressed like my love for the blocking in that movie with how the fight scenes are and how all of the the people are set up in the in the frames for these elaborate set pieces and i think that this movie has a similar vibe but just for oh. like for for trailing people and watching people and the amount of people that you move to a specific place or in a single direction it, it's it's really um really well done in that regard with just its storytelling with how they move masses of people um and it's it's yeah. really scary too, like with that. Like this movie got under my skin for sure. Yeah, God, you have the whole fucking city after you, basically yeah. by the end of it. Yeah, yeah, I loved that as well. Um, yeah. I I think it's so clever, and it's again, it's like this movie. You know where it's going, and so the fact that even before stuff you know starts to go south, half an hour in or so, um, just watching. Elizabeth and Matthew uh, walk out of their lab at the Department of Health and they're walking down the hall just having like a friendly work conversation together and they're passing, you know, colleagues in the hall and stuff. And there's this one quick instance in the background where like you see a colleague peering out a window at them and... uh, And, and there's other people just walking around and like in any other movie, it's like, okay, those are just extras meant to make the movie feel more real. But in this movie, there's just something about how the camera moves, how the blocking is done, like you said, Mitch, that just like made me look around to everyone and wonder who's going to come back later, who is going to become one yeah. of these recurring characters and, that the, this movie has established. And, and I was yeah. just like constantly, constantly unsettled and... Uh, tuned in yeah and also just quickly because i know mitch also wanted to get in there lots to say all of a sudden from everybody um the fact that you know you're sort of given away or whenever matthew or elizabeth or whoever give themselves away the reaction is like just a fucking death stare from everybody in the vicinity is like a deeply bone chilling thought and i like the way a lot of those are shot i think there's at least one in two instances of like the camera zooming in on the person that Mm -hmm. recognizes that they're not potted um potted like plants oh yeah that didn't get a laugh either but but, but, um, yeah I thought I thought you were being serious. I wasn't gonna laugh yeah. at your cool point. Well, no, uh, <laughs> well uh. another thing that I love too is like in the in the <laughs> in the nature of like seventies kind of conspiracy cinema and post Watergate cynicism, like this sort of alien conspiracy, call it what you like, goes all the way to the top. Like you said that there's there's the whole city against them, but not only that, but so are like the rich and the powerful who are presumably also infected. And uh Yeah, I'm curious about the logistics of that. Yeah, uh, like not there's, that it there's matters, this heavy like, this heavy implication. This this heavy implication that maybe 
maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but they there's a line of dialogue that they say like uh like City Hall is gonna be infected or they say something like that. Yeah, but and like every phone call he makes, the people know who he is and why he's calling without him having to say or do anything. Yeah, it's it is terrifying that prospect. And uh, like another thing too, we were talking about blocking and throwaway lines and characters. But I like how the like just how the movie jumps around and how it you get like two really distinct performances out of these people that the that you revisit. You get like one like sort of deadpan horrifying performance and you get their normal self as well. And then near the end of the movie, they kind of like go back and they the aliens sort of start being more sociable, which is really off putting too. Yeah, and they don't know how to, to conduct themselves. The they're like yeah. a, they're like an entity or a, they're a, they're a force of nature, almost, right? So and you see out people like standing in groups but yeah. not doing anything. They're like a bio invasion, um, bio invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah, an invasive species. Did do you were you like thinking about like modern times when you're watching this, like sort of like with like you know the pandemic and how that's been handled and and like mistrust or anything like that like or either COVID, of you? just to yeah. put the put the nail on the head here um yeah honestly not really but that's because i uh i don't want to think about that when i'm watching movies right now so i try not to yeah. i mean obviously the, the parallel is very obvious um it's not one-to-one but like obviously you could make it uh but it wasn't like top of my mind or anything i just kind of like let the recognition happen and then slid over to something else yeah it popped into my head really quickly and and i i enjoyed it actually um making that connection and just like being able to relate to an older movie um in in whatever way i can kind of uh just just gives me all that more to chew on and so i i totally made the connection and i was into it yeah i couldn't help but make that like that connection while watching the whole thing and made me very uncomfortable but yeah it definitely has a lot of staying power and a lot of relevance especially now yeah and even if you if you just like take any sort of politics and the idea of distrust out there like just the idea of this new contagion and they don't know what's safe anymore you know they don't know if they can touch these creatures they don't know uh how it is that it spreads they don't know uh um, or how they're supposed to go about their lives now. So, and, uh, and how yeah. do you live when you've been deprived of sleep too? Like by the end of the oh, movie, yeah. that that whole dynamic is something that we haven't really touched on. But they're all fucking exhausted by the end of that movie. Love and, a good horror movie when nobody gets to sleep. Yeah, more not Nightmare on Elm Street like, parallels. Yeah, it it is really well done. Like not only is the entire city uh, hunting you, but you haven't slept in like a week kind of crazy yep yeah i i loved it because i think that's one of the most brilliant parts of of a nightmare on elm street and that premise and so it was just so cool to see it in this movie that i had no idea that was how these these body snatcher alien people did their job so that was a surprise to me and so with that extra level of tension on top and they kind of have to figure out ways to stay awake the way they do in nightmare on elm street it was just like a an added bonus for me Mm mm-hmm yeah yeah what are we thinking fellas do we have more to say no but uh, that's not an indictment of the movie it's just fundamentally solid 
Oh yeah, and I, I feel like yeah. there's there's like forty years of discourse on it, and uh, all of the threads we've picked up on, in a lot of ways, speak for themselves. It's not a movie that thrives in subtlety, so you know, like it's got pretty bombastic camera movement. That's something we're talking about in this environment of like paranoia that it's crafting. Um, there's really great use of like handheld cameras and weird angles to really communicate those things, especially when walking around and being like surrounded by people. It's a very claustrophobic environment and a very off-putting one that they're able to create just with the use of the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, that's worth acknowledging. But no, nah, I mean, you know, it's it's had staying power for a reason. <laughs> yeah, it's it's people like it for a reason, and it's and it still has like a reputation today for a reason it's just a good movie yeah. i could understand somebody saying like uh it's a little it's a little much it's a little on the nose sure and like i can understand i understand somebody not being like absolutely enraptured with it as i think we aren't like we like it quite a bit but i could also see the other reaction i but like it's got the benefit of having like a very solid base yeah so uh yeah yeah, or if you're just one of those people who just like doesn't like old movies, and if you are, never speak to me ever again. But uh, M- um, Mitch, I hate to tell you, but if you haven't listened to earlier episodes of this podcast, we say multiple times that all movies that are black and white are bad. Okay, well, luckily this movie the, got the pass. I might be on the wrong show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, Mitch adjusts his TV so that every movie he watches for this show, for this podcast, is in black and white. Yeah, you guys, did you guys like the color palette in that? Um, what the what? The what? <laughs> it was real gray for me. It was real gray for me. It got uh, chiaroscuro. It's got dark blacks and whites. I also turn off the sound too, and I have an organ accompaniment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I actually uh, wear big headphones and plug them into a TV when I watch all the movies that we do. I set up some hanging skeletons to descend at the scary parts in the movie. That's that's one thing we haven't talked about in this movie is the sound design. Uh, Partially done, at least I think partially, by a guy who had just finished working on Star Wars. Yeah, it's it's really pretty sick. good, like really grody, like squelching, like the the part where they where he they um like uh donnie like uh stoves that guy's skull in with a crowbar that like that sound effect is disgusting but yeah or like just like the mud baths and like the bubbling oh and the, yeah, yeah that part very very gross me. and bad yeah the sound design of this movie is really gross but and just like the shriek that they make when they when they spot somebody I, i'm very curious how they design that sound and, and what it is because like that is like a horrible sound I tried to emulate it at the start of the episode. And... I thought you did really good, man. If you were in a recording booth and, and were told you could let it go, I think you could do it. Yeah. But yeah, it was su- super scary. I watched this movie with headphones on. Normally, I just watch the movies on my TV and I don't have any sound system or anything. Um, but this one was a headphone movie and I'm, I'm glad it was. Uh, Kindergarten Cop 2, for anyone wondering, was a TV movie. But this one was a headphone movie and... Um, I, I really dug it. The sound design and the score, like you mentioned earlier, are both very dynamic. Uh, there's different things for different scenes. There's there's not one singular approach that the movie takes all the way through. Um, it it uh, it all feels very complementary to to the visuals, and so um, just like a great, really a hard to hard to criticize watch. Like I could. I could understand someone saying like that the movie was maybe kind of 
boring. Um, but besides that, like it's just so so technically sound. Um, and and then the content also also really gelled with me. You know, this is a first time watch, and and I said that uh, you know I, I can't see myself watching it again right away. And maybe that's just because like the the movies I'm watching right now are a bit more uh, bombastic. Um, but also I I've learned that rewatching movies often really pays off for me. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation is one example of that. But the other day I watched, uh, I rewatched the slasher movie Slumber Party Massacre from the early 80s. And I, I first saw that movie for the first time about two and a half years ago. And I was so let down by it. I thought it was super basic, um, pretty boring, uh, pretty by the books and like i think those are things that you might be able to attribute uh, that you might be able to say about this movie too like that it just kind of it does what you think it's going to do in the genre that it's in um uh but i i rewatched slumber party massacre and that movie went from like a literally on my letterbox it went from a three out of ten to a ten out of ten and so like just sitting with movies one more time after i i know what's going on and i think about them a bit more it really pays off for me and so um i'm not saying that'll happen with this movie but i'm also not not ruling it out and i I would love to watch it again at some point yeah i will i'll definitely be revisiting it along with like don't look now i think if you want like a donald sutherland 70s horror movie double bill like that's the that's the ticket i i moved it right back up to the top of my watch list so i'm gonna i'm gonna get to that one soon nice i'm glad we got two movies done in one episode that's pretty cool (laughs) that's a rarity for us um so as we talked about a little bit uh it's basically halloween and throughout the month of october we are going to be doing all scary movies all the time and all new releases within reason you know uh we're gonna fudge it a little bit by a couple of months um but first up we have the recent remake of Candyman, sequel to Candyman, reboot of candy whatever it is i don't i don't totally know uh the specifics of it but that's what's up next and uh we'll be working our way through um horror for the next little while we may have some other you know, fun bits and goofs and, and gags in there. But uh, it's streaming now, video on demand. If you want to pay for it, uh, if you can't get to a theater, whether for, um, you know, safety reasons and health reasons or anything else. Um, and that's first up. So that's what we have to look forward to next. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, to get through the usual here, Mitch, do you have anything you'd like to plug? <clears throat> I'm waiting for the shriek. Ooh, yeah, that'd be telling, wouldn't it? No shriek. Oh, I guess it was him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. That actually startled me. Jesus Christ. Corey, was that you? This isn't actually a video call. Maybe that was Corey. Oh, God. <laughs> um, fuck, dude. Well, do we just have to take his track out if he wasn't in it? Like, do we just have a conversation amongst <laughs> ourselves? Well, I, I know it wasn't me. That's all I'm saying. Trust yeah. no one. Trust no one. Well, uh, I trust you to do one thing before we go, which is uh, tell me if you have anything you'd like to plug. I'm glad you can trust me to do that. 
I will I will abide. Uh, you guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. You're going to listen to the other podcast that I do called MK PodQuest with, uh, with our friend Neil. Um, to be completely honest with you folks, I don't know what episode's coming out of that show this week, but it's good. And you should and you should listen to it, and um, you can find that at MK Podquest on all of the services and all the internet. I guess I should specify it's about Mortal Kombat. That's um, what the MK stands for. Uh, and uh, thank you all once again for listening to this episode of this show, which is called They Made Another One. I thought you the MK stood for Magic Kingdom. It might have. Can't rule that out. You can have a quest in the Magic Kingdom, but we didn't. <laughs> Okay, that's enough of that. Uh, you can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. Episodes are on all your services. So Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, the lot of them at They Made Another One. You can reach us via email, which uh, people generally don't, but it's there if you'd like to, at TMAO Podcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And it's Halloween time, baby boy. So next week, we've got Candyman. 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 Don't do it. Um, they made another one?